0: Uh, I want to start off by saying that I am extremely grateful and humbled to be standing before you and uh, getting ready to preach the word of God. Uh, If this is your first time here, uh, my name is Gino. I am the worship pastor. Um, And another interesting fact that you should probably know about me is that I am extremely asthmatic. So when I get nervous and when I get excited, sometimes that might flare up my asthma. So don't worry. I brought my asthma pump with me. It's right here in the pocket. So you guys don't have to worry about calling 911 or getting an ambulance here. We're all good, okay? (laughs) So for the past uh, two months, we have been going through the book of Ephesians. And I want to start off also by saying that I'm extremely grateful uh, for Pastor Stephen, who has been leading the charge uh, through Ephesians. And I don't know about you guys, but it's been extremely helpful for me to look at the Bible this way and look at it through this lens and see how I need to be better, uh, a better Christ follower and be more Christ-like. So today we're going to be focusing our attention uh, through Ephesians uh, uh, 5, but before we get there, I kind of want to make sure that we have our feet on solid ground, that when we look at this scripture, that we're looking at it through the proper lens, making sure that our lens is is wiped clean, that there's no spots or blemishes um, in our lens. So with that being said, I want us to turn our attention to 2 Timothy uh, 3.16, and this is going to help us get our feet on solid ground. And it says there, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, and for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, When we get to Ephesians, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to kind of prick us a little bit and kind of allow us to grow up a little bit, and it's going to take away uh, all of our feels, if you will, all the things that make us feel good. Um, So as we go through Ephesians, I want to make sure that we understand that this is the breath of God that is teaching us. This isn't just words uh, written down on a piece of paper, but this comes from God. So, with that being said, I hope you guys brought your highlighter. I hope you brought a pen to underline. And if you uh, don't have those things, if you have your phone, if you hold down, you can highlight that way. So, let's dive into Ephesians 5, okay? It says there, Ephesians 5, 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, this first half of this portion of Scripture, it talks about, therefore, be imitators of God. I think a lot of times as we look um, at uh, what the world might be teaching or what other preachers might be teaching is that you can take this uh, Scripture and twist it in a sense and make it mean walk in the authority or power of God or therefore, since you are imitators of God, call those things into existence. And I don't think that that is the point that Paul is trying to make here. The second half of that uh, first verse, it says, as beloved children. At some point in our lives, I'm pretty sure that all of us wanted to be just like our parents at some point, right? Amen? Do we believe that? I know for me, I wanted to be just like my father. My father is a pastor, and I'm a PK. So if you don't know what that means, that means I'm a pastor's kid. And I grew up in church. Another term for it is a pew baby. (laughs) But I grew up in church, and my dad would preach all the time, and I come from a Pentecostal background. So if you don't know, people are running, people are dancing, and the preachers are hooping and hollering and making a bunch of joyful noise, if you will. But I remember growing up, we would have these revivals, and it would go from Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and all day Sunday. That's a lot of church, but I loved every every minute of it. And growing up, I wanted to be just like these guys. A lot of times, we would have preachers come in from all over and preach, and they would have this cool attire. And I thought the attire was the coolest part. They would wear, I kid you not, they would wear like these long robes that came all the way down to their feet with some type of weird pattern, and this is probably why I developed my addiction to shoes, if you will. They would have some sense of alligator skin shoes or snake skin shoes or some type of church shoe, and I, I absolutely loved it. I adored it, and whenever these guys came in, I thought they were just going to preach the roof off the place and just destroy it. I thought we were going to run and jump, and we absolutely did those things, but as a child, I wanted to do that. I wanted to mimic that. So being five or six years old, I would take uh, a color pencil, a marker, a spoon, anything that I can mimic uh, being a microphone. And then I would have this long bib that, that had a cutout in the center of it, and I would just plop it down, and it would come down to basically right here. And I used to practice in the mirror what it would be like preaching. So I joked with Stephen uh, a ton about me stepping in and preaching and and helping out in that way. And I told them, I said, I'll give them a good example of how I grew up. So I'm going to do uh, a representation of what I grew up with and how preachers used to preach. Okay, you guys ready? Okay, here we go. Deep breath. All right, I got to channel my energy. Here we go. All right, don't make me laugh, all right? It would go something like this. And the Bible said, uh, he that will come uh, shall come uh, and will not tarry. Uh, I will say unto the Lord, uh, he is my refuge, uh, my God in whom I will trust. And that's basically what I grew up with. That's, that's how I grew up listening to preachers. And that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the part of the service where you guys clap for me because that took a lot of courage to do that in front of a lot of white people. Okay. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) But just in that same very way of how I wanted to mimic what I saw, I think in this same very way, this is what Paul is telling us to do, what Paul is encouraging us to do to be so infatuated with God and who he is that we mimic that that we imitate that as beloved children. And you might be asking yourself this question now now how do we mimic how do we mimic a holy and just and righteous and perfect and pure God? Well, I'm glad you asked because the answer is in verse 2. It says, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, let's break that down in two portions. We see, and walk in love. Now, this isn't physically talking about walking in love. Yes, we are to walk in love, but it's more so of a lifestyle that we are to be representing Christ through love. The second portion of that scripture, it says, and Christ loved us. Now, in order for us to really understand what that means and really grasp what that means, we have to understand who Christ is. In Philippians uh, 2, 5, it speaks of Christ not counting himself equal to God. Even though he was God, he did not count himself equal to God. And in John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And later on, in verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh. And we all know who that is. Let's all say it together. Jesus. Jesus. So we see Christ, fully God, fully man, on the planet earth, living life. And we see that he gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering I think this is a good reminder of how we should be living, that we should be living a life full of submission, a life full of repentance. It's extremely difficult um, in in this day and age, especially, and I shouldn't say day and age, but just for me, I I wanna be right all the time. Every argument I get in with uh, my wife, I shouldn't have said that, we don't get in arguments, we're perfect. (laughs) But I, I want to be right all the time. and in a lot of ways, I'm forced to live a life that's walking in love, full of submission, full of repentance. These first couple of verses, we see the self-giving love of Christ. And as we continue reading through uh, Ephesians, we see the self-centered love of man. So let's see what those things are. Let's continue reading. Verse 3, you guys ready? You guys feel good? Well, I'm about to destroy that with this passage. <laughs> Somebody said thank you. But sexual immorality, all impurity, covetous, covetousness, must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, no crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. I think it's very clear what Paul is saying here. Stop having sex. I'm just joking. I mean, you guys are taking it so seriously. He doesn't say that, Okay. But I think that this is a, and some people were taking notes, no sex, I'm just <laughs> We would be in trouble. But the sexual immorality, it's a blanket statement, which comes from the Greek word porneia. and I gave Stephen a thumbs up last service because he said in, I know a little bit of Greek, so that's awesome. But it comes, it's a blanket statement of all sexual sins, which means adultery, which means fornication. Which means homosexuality, it's clear that in the life of a Christian, these things shouldn't be prominent in our lives. Something that you'll constantly hear me say this morning is that we should be constantly reevaluating and self reflecting to make sure our lives are a good representation of the love of Christ. So my question this morning, with that being said, if the Holy Spirit is alive, if the Holy Spirit is dwelling on the inside, what should we see? We know what not to see from these first couple passages, but what should we see? Let's turn over to uh, 1 Thessalonians. Five, twelve. Because I think that this gives us a good representation of what we should be seeing in our lives, in our daily lives. It says there, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Here we go. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now we see a whole list of things that should be exemplified in our lives. I think one of the easiest things, at least for me, And I think as I preach to you guys, I preach to myself as well. I think one of the things that's so easy to gloss over, that's so easy to just skate through, is the fact that we should be praying without ceasing for one another. I think that that is one of the most things that that we can do to exemplify the power of Christ in our lives. That we should be encouraging the faint-hearted. That we should have patience that we should give thanks in all circumstances, not just the good. I want to encourage us by saying that every aspect of our lives belongs to Christ. A lot of ways we we like to separate um, our lives from Sunday morning versus Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday. But I think here, this walk in love, this idea of submission, that this is a daily reevaluating, a daily question we should be asking ourselves. Let's keep reading. You guys feel good now? Are we, are we good? Are we still alive? I know you guys weren't expecting this side of Gino. This is very serious Gino. Most of the time you guys see uh, funny Gino, but... Let's keep reading Ephesians 5, and I'll I'll read a little bit of 4 to give us a little context going into 5. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, we see this word again, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. I have another question for us. I have another question for myself as well. We see again who doesn't have the inheritance of the kingdom of Christ and God. My question this morning is who has the inheritance? Who has been given the inheritance of Christ In God. And this is something, this inheritance word, this is something that we have seen multiple times in Ephesians. In Ephesians 1, inheritance. And we see it again. So it's important that we pay attention to this. Who has the inheritance? If I stand before a judge, and the judge slams down his gavel and says, you have been forgiven. That's awesome. That's something to celebrate. That's something to to cheer over. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I have an inheritance. But if I stand before a judge and that judge says, You have been forgiven. But not only do you have this decree of being forgiven, but you have this decree of adoption. That you are now a son, that you are now a daughter. Now you have an inheritance. you guys understand what I'm saying, that because of the cr- cross, we have been adopted. That we have an inheritance if we believe in Christ and what he has done. I think it's important that we look at this verse that way. that we look at worship with the forethought of inheritance. Because if we don't, we look at worship as two ways. We can either look at worship as pleasing to God, or we are trying to manipulate him to get whatever we want. I don't think that's the right way to view worship. I think the right way to view worship is response to the cross, in response to the love, in response to the grace, in response to the mercy, in response to the compassion. Let's keep reading. Whew. Ephesians 5 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Whoa, stop. Pause, player. We were just talking about the love of God and how we are supposed to imitate the love of God of Christ and walk in love. But here we see the wrath of God. Now, how does, that, how does that work itself out? You can't have love and wrath. I would disagree. The reason why I disagree is because of the cross. The cross, in the cross, we see the love of God. And also in the cross, we see the wrath of God. And I think we live in a day and age where people champion the idea, or not the idea, the truthful statement that God is love. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that statement. It's very true. But God is also wrathful. Yes, God is love. Yes, He is gracious. Yes, He is holy. But God is also wrathful to those who live a life that don't reflect repentance or submission to Him. If we break verse six down just a little bit more, it says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. Be careful. This is a call to all Christians. This isn't just a call to the mature, to know what's being taught. This is a call to all Christians to not let anyone deceive you with empty words, deceive you with doctrines that go against Scripture, ideologies that go against Scripture. It's very prominent today, and we need to be careful. We need to be watchful. We need to stay woke, if you will. That's what all the young people are saying. If you don't believe what I'm saying, I think a great cross-reference to go to is 2 John 1, 9 through 10. You don't have to go there, but I will read it. It says, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God, whoa, that's a prick, that's a punch. I think that this is a, a, a good example of how we need to use scripture to look at ourselves in the mirror rather than a, a weapon to wield on another person. We need to be reflecting and making sure that we have Christ. In the later half of that portion of Scripture, it says, whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Whoever encourages the faint-hearted has the Father and the Son. Whoever prays without ceasing has the Father and the Son. Whoever gives thanks in all things has the Father and the Son. Do you? Do you? I think a lot of times I can easily say, no, I don't. But that's why I love this next, next statement. It says, Christianity is initial repentance followed by ongoing repentance. So those times where you feel like you don't have the, the, the power of Christ or, does, or you don't have God, repent. Have that sense of self-reflection. Do you guys hear the theme that's being honed in here? A lot of times we look at, I think that this helps me simplify Christianity. A lot of times we think that we want the glamorous things, like we want the miraculous, and there's nothing wrong with that. We want the healing. There's nothing wrong with that. We want the spiritual gifts, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with those things. But at the very core of Christianity, at the very root of Christianity, It's a life of repentance. Ongoing, never ceasing, daily. Let's keep reading. Now, after verse six, it says, therefore do not become partners with them. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are in darkness. Now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. That's a call to all Christians. And that's even the subtle things. I think uh, it's easy to call out the blatant things. But walk in the light. Take no uh, part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful to even speak of those things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Anything that is exposed by the light becomes visible. Anything that is a blemish in our lives should become visible when we reevaluate and make sure that our lives are holy and acceptable to Christ. Look carefully. Let's continue reading through Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Make the best use of the time. Because the days are evil. Now, this is close to 2,000 years ago where Paul is saying that the days are evil. I think that should be a wake-up call for us this morning. That we are living in evil days. That we are living in days where it is easy to accept any ideology, any thought, But I think constantly the theme that Paul is trying to say here is to wake up, stop sleeping, stop falling prey. I know that this is, this is kind of harsh to hear. And I, today I'm only the messenger, so don't, don't shoot the messenger. I'm only, I'm only reiterating what's said here. But it's kind of harsh to hear these things. That we shouldn't be involved in the things that give us self-pleasure. But like in verse 1, that we should be giving ourselves up submission to the Father's will. In every aspect of our lives. That's the constant theme that's being translated here. And it says in Ephesians 5, 18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, even if you live in Wisconsin. No, it doesn't say that there, I'm sorry. So we see the fruit of getting drunk is debauchery. These things that we're communicating, that I'm communicating, that the Scripture is communicating, is that when we see these things that don't exemplify the power of Christ, that is actually grieving the Holy Spirit. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Bad. (laughs) Not good. But then, I I love what Paul does here. He switches it. He says, but be filled with the Spirit, and we see instantly what being filled with the Spirit shows. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts. My grandfather used to say all the time, an empty wagon makes a lot of noise. It's kind of comical, but it's so much truth. You can make your mouth say anything. But when something is in your heart, when Christ is in your heart, David said it best, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. When something is in your heart, the effects of it are in your actions. This is what worship truly is it's when it's in our hearts. When we sing with our hearts. When we love one another. I mean, it's also coming and gathering together on a Sunday morning. That is a form of worship. That is a part of worship. But in its entirety, it's not all of worship. It extends past. It extends into our actions. It extends when we encourage the faint-hearted, when we pray without ceasing, when we give thanks in all things. I wanna leave us with this point. And this might be the, the toughest thing to say because I think in a lot of ways I don't exemplify this in my life. And finally, my wife is here, so she can attest to it. She can say, amen, Pastor. (laughs) Amen, Reverend. (coughs) That was your cue. Okay, she's not going to do it. (laughs) A life of a Christian is a life of submission. Hurts. It hurts to submit. And later on in the passage, it says, submitting to one another in reverence for Christ. When we submit not only to the Father's will, but when we submit to one another, it brings glory and honor to God. And it doesn't grieve the Holy Spirit. But actually, God receives joy when we do these things. Why is this important? Why is it important that we live a life, one, that is pleasing to God? That's why it's important. And two, our lives are a reflection of Christ to people who may not know him. We are to be a reflection. We are to walk in love. Amen, church. Let's pray. God, we come to you broken. We come to you with contrite hearts. There is nothing that we can offer you, but still you love us. Still you went to the cross. Still you humbled yourself still you endured. Help us to live a life exactly like that where we take up our cross and we walk. That our lives will be a fragrant offering and sacrifice to you. It's by no other power, it's by no other name that we can do these things except through Jesus. Give us the strength, Lord God. Help us to walk in love. Help us to pray without ceasing. Help us to encourage the faint-hearted. Help us to give thanks in everything. In all circumstances. Because ultimately, God, it brings glory and honor to your name. And what better purpose do we have? What better purpose do we have? We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.